Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to Taking Ship, a guided cruise through dumbest timeline America. I'm Frank Spring, joined by Maggie Moore, from whom Queen Cleopatra merely borrowed the title of She Who Must Be Obeyed. And also, we are joined by the new administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency, Ellie Jacobs. Hello, friends. Hey, Frank. Hi, Ellie. Uh, We'd like to thank all of our listeners for their comments, both positive and negative, and urge everyone to rate us and leave a review on iTunes, and also visit the website www.takingship.com and buy a t-shirt or three, but only if you need the size medium. Uh, Also, please follow us on Twitter at TakingShip. That's ship with a P as in porpoise. Why not? Yes. You can follow Extremely. Frank at, at Frank Spring, me at Maggie M012, and Ellie Jacobs at Ellie Jacobs. Yeah, very easy. All right. Well, we took a little breather last the last week and a half-ish, and uh, Frank, Maggie, it's great to be back again with you. Um, travel schedules were a little crazy, and we were really busy earlier in the week preparing for the Democratic revolt that Alex Jones prophesized would take would take place. But we're back now, um, even though we're all now becoming impoverished as we succumb to Trump's attempt to own the libs by starting a trade war with China for unbeknownst reasons, um, which apparently is the only way to make America great again. But with that, we're going to have a, a, a quick episode this time because it's a late on a Friday afternoon. We all have better places to be, I guess, or we all have to go work in a sweatshop to make up for the lack of stuff coming in from China. So uh, Maggie, where did we want to start? Sure. So um, in this hot week full of hot takes, um, one that I could not get out of my mind was Anthony Kennedy retiring from the Supreme Court, which um, basically just let me know that we're all supremely fucked um, and that many of my rights will be taken away. So um, Supreme I don't Court have justice can leave people supremely fucked. It was it was it was it's a, there's a limited power to do right. it. But he had it in the exercise. Yeah, I mean, you could be like appellately fucked. <laughs> Ninth Circuit fucked. <laughs> I mean, it's. I think it's one thing that says a better system anyway. That one person could literally be the linchpin between my rights and not having it. But I feel like that's a different conversation for another time. And um, there's some irony think, that the person's name's last name is Kennedy, but that's probably a longer episode. God, truly. Um, but you know, I don't have that much time left in the summer slash whenever this next nominee um, is going to be put up. So really the only choice that I have left is to run out, get knocked up just so I can have an abortion while it's still legal because my punch card is going to expire soon. So time's a ticking. Yes. Waste no time, people. Uh, also, uh, if- it's good to have plans. Yeah, it's good to have plans. That's exactly right. Summer plans. Are important. Things to, you can have things to look forward to. Um, you don't want the whole summer to go by and be like, what did I do? Yeah. And, and also, show for it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you have a limited time to have an abortion. You have a limited time to marry someone of the same gender. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a busy July and August for everyone. I think. Yeah. If we're not taking up uh, the responsibility of using the rights, I will still have them kind of like health insurance. You might as well just make all those doctor's appointments now while you still can. Um, oh, that's yeah. pretty much how I'm viewing some of my like fundamental bodily human rights. That seems about right. <laughs> We're going also to freely assemble, uh, and, I will, and, I, and I will tell I will tell various soldiers that they're trying to quarter in my home to piss off uh, for as long as I am allowed to do that. Yeah, and then something <laughs> with stamps. Just I'll leave that out there because goddamn philatelists. Something with stamps. What do you mean stamps? Stamp Act. There was a thing. 
Hmm. Yes, I guess I guess it was. <laughs> not sure what this is. No, no, no. It's not going anywhere. Let's not even. Fan of the Stamp Act, Anthony Kennedy. No. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Let's not even. Let's not even try to take that one apart. Trump's replacement is going to be some kind of you know 18th century style Tory. God, no. Well, leaving the Stamp Act behind, I feel like now. Um, that we're not quite sure who's going to be uh, on the short list. I mean, I, we know that it's a couple people, a couple names. If you believe the Federalist Society, there's no females on the short list. Um, but well, I think this is a really... Indiana, I thought. No, the Federalist Society has their own list. I think Trump has a list that maybe has some women on it. But, you know, who's to He say? has the heritage list, I think. Oh, okay. Which um, I always truly way. a hell timeline. <laughs> well, between the Federalist list and the heritage list, we've got a lot of right. truly awful people. So I think we can... <laughs> good about that. like let's see who do we really want do we want the nazis or do we want you know mussolini's thugs the agony the of choice of our time <laughs> well we should then offer up the take how will you vote them. susan collins <laughs> well who cares about her vote because you know we all know the way it's going to go um but if we were to offer our taking ship list who should we nominate from the supreme court and in the true dumbest timeline in America fashion, we're only going to pick people that aren't real. So the folks that we're going to nominate um, for our pick for Supreme Court will come from my favorite world, which is pop culture. So you can pick any character uh, to, to, fill, to fill the seat. Please tell us what the show is um, and who the character is and why they would make a good judge. All right. And they have to be a lawyer, right? Like we're, we're sticking this close to lawyer law. or a judge. I think we lawyer. have to assume that yeah. they're in law school. Right. Like, please don't that. nominate Bugs Bunny. But, you know, if you want to, I wouldn't judge you. There was but definitely there was definitely an episode where he was like in judicial robes with a gavel, though. Had to be in those like, you know, the British wigs and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Frank. I nominate oh. you nominate someone first. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my nomination <laughs> is uh, Al Pacino's character from The, the Devil's Advocate. John Milton was actually that character's name. If oh, hell yeah. He was, in fact, Satan. Because, fuck it, man. Like, let's just get this done. God damn it. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this just, just mealy-mouthed, you know, beating around the bush. Uh, you know, I mean, listen, like, let's nominate Satan. Let's get Satan passed. Uh, let's get it done. But I want, but it has to be Satan as Al Pacino's character from The Devil's Advocate, because I really, like, I just, I, I just want that almost more than anything I've wanted. In my why don't we life. just actively confirm that we are currently in hell? Yeah. Just like, yeah. let's make yeah. it as it's obvious. It's fucking hot enough. Let's just I, do this. Well, and I, yeah, that's exactly. And I want a Supreme Court justice that makes inexplicable acting choices. Like, yeah. who wouldn't want someone who's going to deliver the whole, the whole speech like this? <laughs> that's not bad, Frank. That's really not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. And Keanu Excellent Reeves can voice. be the solicitor general. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which really well, seems Reeves obvious. Is immortal. He is, in fact, immortal. So that will sort of go hand in hand with Satan. Well, did so. you not see the second Bill and Ted's where no. they die and come back? He can't <laughs> die now. That's how it works. Those are the rules. Them's the rules. Them's the rules. Yeah. We don't so, make up the rules. Uh, my choice would be uh, Judge Harry T. Stone from Night Court played by uh, Harry Anderson, who passed away uh, recently, uh, back back in April. But again, in Dumbest Timeline America, why not have a comedian who is obsessed with Mel Torme and magic tricks on the bench? It, I could that say, would be so like, fun. could we do worse? We almost certainly will. Yeah. I've never actually seen Night Court. Um, well, I've only ever seen it referenced on 30 Rock. Um, but that, that feels yeah. fine to me. Mag, All right, so you, my Mag, pick, your pick, 
Yes. So my pick um, is unfortunately deeply, deeply optimistic. I would choose Evelyn Baker Lang from the West Wing, portrayed by the beautiful and perfect Glenn Close. Because that is truly the world I want to live in, which in a weird meta way is dumb in and of itself. Because like, it's never going to happen. But I would fully, fully back Evelyn Baker Lang. What a queen. She had an abortion in college. Oh yeah, and she got a pot plant for pot her birthday. Plant, yeah. I, I like nice level shoes. Of I don't know why I remember that line. Like that's because like Josh says it. Yeah, my uh, my level of West Wing knowledge is freakish and embarrassing. And I wish I could use his power for good, but I can't. Um, so I'm just going to use it here. No, so that's the problem with West Wing knowledge, and and I think anybody who's ever been kind of exposed to politics has significantly too much West Wing knowledge yeah. and or Parks and Recreation knowledge. But the problem is, is that the West Wing knowledge is just useless. Uh, counterpoint, I once won bar trivia for West Wing, and I won two hours of open bar for 10 friends. So Holy that's the smokes. only time it's ever served. Where the fuck bar are you going to? <laughs> it was someplace um, in the village. I don't know. But <laughs> Hard to recall. For most of the competition. Well, Unrelated so to the prize. It was, it's not the bar. It's a, like a traveling band of uh, like a trivia group. So they go to a bunch of different bars. The three of us and seven other people with an open bar for two hours, we could, we could literally put somebody out of business. Shut the place down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just shut them down. Well, that's the end yes, of me. Exactly. <laughs> I guess I'm going straight to the emergency room. I would also shut myself down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. All right, so well, thank that's you for SCOTUS. all the court picks. Yeah, <laughs> very much appreciate the court. That's pick. SCOTUS or the Supreme Court of the United States, um, which uh, is certainly a sad state of affairs, and we're just going to end up between like bad and worse. Um, and Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski are somehow once again the saviors of humanity. Which, like, I don't know how you can find two people to represent two farther ends of the earth. And are just going to disappoint everybody by whatever they do regardless. So that's where we're at. But moving on, sticking with the political realm, because that's what we do in Dumbest Timeline America. Um, last week, there were a whole bunch of primaries, particularly the ones in New York. Well, we paid attention to because Maggie and I are. <coughs> and the New York 14th, uh, where um, Crowley lost, uh, who was sort of looked at as a potential speaker in waiting. Um, is an interesting sort of test case uh, of where the party's at split sort of between this idea of uh, the Bernieites or the democratic socialists or socialist Democrats, even though I don't think that Bernie came out and, and campaigned for her or even endorsed her. I don't, I, I might be wrong on that, but I don't know that Bernie was involved in any way, shape or form. He, he was, he was not, I think she got support from our revolution, but, but the reason the association there is mainly that, that, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the winner in that primary was, is a member of the democratic socialists of America, whose politics seem to cleave closer to Bernie's than they do to other members of the democratic party. So I think that's where the, the association between the two of them came. I don't think there was a particularly formal one. Or to, so ne- or I speak to, under correction. Or to the democratic or, party because Bernie's not a member, but. Well, she, she also worked for him, volunteered yeah. for him. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I believe you're right. Yeah, so um, she obviously got a lot of uh, media attention because 
I mean, this is equivalent to Dave Bratt taking down uh, Eric Cantor a couple of years ago during the Tea Party Revolution. I mean, this was a, this was a really big deal. I, I mean, even me, who was kind of cynically watching the news and being like, y'all are paying way too much attention to this. I think it was genuinely a very, very big deal to take down uh, somebody of Crowley's, of Joe Crowley. And I happen to very much like Joe Crowley. I would have been very happy with him being speaker, but um, he didn't campaign. He hasn't been back to the district in two decades. So you know, there, there's kind of no wonder that he lost. But um, looking at it as sort of a, a test case for what the Democratic Party is up against or what where the party is sort of lost or not lost and you know, the back and forth, are we left, are we right, are we Bernie, are we Hillary, are we something else? Um, I think that um, in, in her media appearances, she's been very... Uh, on message and very smart in what she has said since she won. Um, not really saying that all Democrats need to follow my lead and, and, and believe what I believe, even if Sean Hannity is my best you know, advertiser. Um, but I think there's a reality that in the New York 14th, which is Queens and Brooklyn, where a Democrat is going to win regardless of who they are, just because there's a D by their name. Um, Queens and the Bronx. What did I say? Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> but but there is Manhattan and, and nothing else. The field. I, I I will say that that I, I was playing um, uh, LL Cool J's "Doing It," where the chorus line is, uh, uh, "I represent Queens." She was raised out in Brooklyn, like on re on on repeat that night. Also, because LL Cool J is awesome, and the baby really likes him, which is fine by me. Great taste. Um, but uh, you know, Frank, Maggie, I, I'm really curious in sort of what your thoughts on and what this represents or what does not represent. My basic line is it's fine that she's in the 14th. I don't know that that plays necessarily in some of the competitive districts in New Jersey or California or Missouri or some other places. So I, I agree with you in a sense, but with a slightly different twist, which is just that, um, Obviously, it's harder to continually say on like national media coverage that all politics are local. But let us never forget that all politics are local. You can't make a Democrat run by a template that it's like you said, it's not going to work in a district like uh, that's in Pennsylvania um, versus something that's in Queens in the Bronx. And that's a very different place. And she's running on a platform um, that makes sense for her district. And she looks and is very much of the demographic of that, of that district. So don't hold her victory to someone in California and Texas and Illinois, whatever. And if she's saying the same thing, great. But national media is going to want to graft that over all Democrats running for office. And she's done a really good, that's, that's an excellent point. She's done a good job uh, making, it, making it clear she has her own person, she has her own principles. Uh, I think the, the lesson to take away from this is not run on the same platform that Alexandria Cortez, uh, Ocasio-Cortez did because it, I mean, again, it is, it is clearly very, it is clearly a specific one that would work in a blue district. Uh, but run, but you can, I think run with the same degree of moral clarity. Uh, and this is one, the way that the confidence with which she ran is the thing that really strikes me along with just the superlative organizing job, the boldness of the whole thing. Like I'm, I am just a huge fan. And her, her print ads were phenomenal. I mean, there've been oh, a few articles about the yeah. artistry of, of, of her posters and stuff. It, sure. Everything was, it was fresh. It was energized. And, and again, I don't think any of us here, I mean, Ellie, you, you were clear on your, on your, uh, your, your admiration and respect for Crowley. I would second that. I don't think anyone here is particularly throwing stones at Joe Crowley. Um, but he was, you who, know, who also in all honesty, took the loss better than I think anybody could have imagined that he would. I mean, he immediately yeah. dedicated a song to her and jumped into born to run. I mean, 
you know, good on him for, for doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's, he's a good dude. He's widely known as a good dude. Um, but you know, I mean, he was planning his campaign to be speaker and he got caught napping by a candidate who was highly motivated, had a very powerful message, felt that message very powerfully and, and worked, uh, harder than, uh, almost any can. And there are a lot of hardworking candidates out there. I'm not taking anything away from anyone. Uh, but, but that was just an absolute triumph of energy and, and organizing. But I think what Democrats can take away from this is a, if you are the establishment candidate, uh, and you are not outworking as hard as Alexandria Cortez, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, uh, uh, was, uh, you are inviting Crowley's fate. There is no, there's no advertising that you can do. There's no digital, there's no television, there's no mail. There's nothing that will save you if you're not out there working hard against an, against an insurgent opponent who is working hard. It is that goddamn simple. Your endorsements won't save you. Your advertising won't save you. Your fundraising will not save you. You have to do the work. I'm just going to go away and scream that out the window for a little bit here. Um, and, and also the other thing is she is animated and was able to pull this off because she has a moral case that she can make about her policy that is incredibly inspiring. And she's a, she would not describe herself as a liberal. She would describe herself as a leftist. So when I say liberal, I mean big left of center here because there's an old saying that a, you know, a liberal is someone who won't take his own side in a fight. Uh, Alexandria Cortez uh, <laughs> is a woman who will 100% take her own side in a fight. And that's a message that I think Democrats should and must draw from her victory. One other thing that though this uh, that the coverage of this is bringing up for me is like how long away from 2016 do we have to get before we start hearing basically like relitigation of like democratic primary stories? Like I'm so tired of hearing about that where it's like establishment versus like the hyper leftist way. Oh, no, like no, no. it's that, all the same conversation. It goes on for years. Yeah, it's one of the pillars of dumbest timeline America that we will continue living the 2016 prime democratic primaries over and over and over. Like what is the half-life of this? Like the at what year of the universe. You hear like yeah. half of the stories. Yeah. Great. Yes. Until the end of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's the last syllable of recorded time. Yeah. <laughs> the last, the, 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 last, the last word spoken will be Bernie would have won. <laughs> the universe yeah. just goes silent. Yeah. That's literally, yeah, that is basically what's going to happen. That's terrifying and totally true. Yeah. <laughs> good, good times. Good times, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right, Frank, why don't we uh, hop across yeah. the pond? Uh, because uh, President Goodbrain Best Words is headed across the pond for the NATO summit, where he will apparently insult all of our allies and all the countries, <laughs> all the countries. Um, and just able to do them by job lot. You really want to take, you really want the volume discount on insulting your allies. Yeah, I mean, was it the NATO, the NATO thing last year where he shoved the president of Macedonia out of the way? Was it the president of Macedonia or, or, or somewhere else? But like, it was like the picture lineup and the guy was like a foot in front of him and Trump like came up behind him and chucked him out of the way, yeah, like, like punched him. That's in the a mean moment. girl nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. But not as funny. Truly. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe funny. I don't, I honestly, I don't even know what's funny anymore. Yeah. We're all struggling with that. As I think anyone who listens to this podcast can tell you. Yeah. Uh, so, you <laughs> it's know, too it's, hot. You know, it's, yeah, that's exactly, again, it's, it's, it's too, we're just dishing out the hot takes, including against ourselves. Yeah. So across the pond today, uh, Theresa May, we're not going to go deep on the UK. We're not going to go deep on the EU, um, but, but we are at, or Brexit, but I do just want to bring this up because it's, it, it is, it is quite a bold, speaking of hot takes, it's quite a bold strategy employed by British prime minister Theresa May today. She is bringing, and everyone up. should remember the last time a British prime minister took a bold take that would be called Brexit. Yes. And that's David, exactly. Yes, the last. David Cameron will continue to remain unemployed for the rest of his life <laughs> for that call. Yeah. 
The, yeah, exactly. The man who you know, I mean, un- unraveled Churchill's dream of a uh, of a unified uh, mar- of your unified Europe. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so Theresa May pl- playing, you know, taking taking a who is who is inherited who was uh, inherited or was dealt a pretty bad hand and has played it rather poorly. Um, continues uh, her effort to to dig herself out of this hole today. She's gathering uh, her cabinet uh, to checkers, which is the uh, the prime minister's country retreat uh, in Buckinghamshire. Um, she's uh, gathering the cabinet uh, to vote on uh, on her proposal, which would essentially. This is, again, the UK's future relationship with the EU. And the idea here is uh, she is pitching an agreement between the UK and the EU that would keep the UK aligned with the European Union on trading rules for goods, Uh, not services, but goods. We're not going to get deep into the market on this, but basically she's attempting to split the baby, pushing what some might call a half measure here. UK and the UK stays effectively partially in the common market on goods, uh, leaves it on services. This is the the best compromise that she seems to think she can generate at this moment. Uh, it is. It might alleviate some of the tension on the north on the hard border between Northern Ireland and the Republic. It might. It's possible the EU might go along with some version of it. Right? This whole thing is a bad deal, but it is. But this whole this whole Brexit business is a disaster, and it doesn't seem very likely this is going to solve it. But it might lead to some some progress. Yeah, theory. but Frank, J.P. Morgan's only moving several score employees out of London. Yeah, and the, you know, the, the, the picture of the. The picture of the British economy post uh, post EU is just is only getting bad, not actually catastrophic. Well, no, it's actually rapidly approaching catastrophic. Anyway, but they have a plan. But so this is the plan. There are a number of ministers who are particularly very strongly Brexit who see this as a retreat from the position, as a you know as a betrayal of the promise of Brexit, and may very well choose to vote against Theresa May. Now, the policy of and May, May's office May's uh, May's office is out here saying this apparently publicly is that any cabinet minister who votes against this proposal of Theresa May will have their will be will be uh, will be sacked from the cabinet will have their minister will have their ministership stripped from them immediately including their ministerial car which means that they will have to walk back to the main road and get a cab back to London which i think is absolutely brilliant apparently there's meant to be a basket of like of of vouchers or coupons or some damn thing, or maybe just cards to call the local taxi company. The idea being, if you, you, either you get in line or you are stripped of your prime of your stripped of your ministry of your ministry right now, and you have to walk home. It is a it is a bold ass strategy. I am not at all certain it's going to work, but I'm bound to respect it. Yeah, can we pull that off? Can we pull that off here? Like cabinet members or leadership of Congress, they have to go to Camp David with the president. And then, you, like, walk home from the mountains of Maryland. Walking home in the in the in the current weather conditions, they would vote for anything. I would vote for anything. I would vote for anything. Sorry, Maggie, but I would vote for everything. <laughs> I mean, no offense, because I probably would too, just to stay in the air conditioning. Like my principles go out the window when it's above eighty degrees. I am a fine Irish stock. I turn into a baked potato when it's like it's hot outside. So mm-hmm. I'm voting for it all. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks about like, it's the greatest invention since sliced bread. Like, fuck you and your sliced bread. I can figure out how to slice bread. It's the greatest invention since air conditioning is really like sort of the template that you should be working against because air conditioning is truly the greatest invention in mankind's history. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We, we would all be, well, we'd all be dead for lack of air conditioning, which I think reflects partly on, on, on just on the nature of us, our experiences and our upbringings. But I mean, we are where we are, right? I mean, you got two Jews and a Jew for two Irish people for two Irish stock and, and a Jew from, you know, presumably Belarus, Poland, Russia, wherever my <laughs> grandparents are from. But yeah, 
Yeah, there is no yeah. word. There is no word in Irish for sun. Don't at me. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, Frank, we did promise to keep this short, but we do want to jump into one last thing, and that is uh, Scott Pruitt, dear oh. Scott Pruitt, the former uh, Attorney General of Oklahoma, and yeah. more recently the former director uh, director of the EPA has resigned his position not been fired mind you even though there are 13 different congressional investigations into him right now ranging from anything 16, from 16 i think but one of them was finally concluded so there's range, no ranging from anywhere from the 50 dollars a night he was paying for a fancy apartment to getting 1600 tactical pants to trying to get his wife a uh chick-fil-a franchise to getting a used which I am still really concerned about a used mattress from Trump hotels. I don't know why you wouldn't just get a brand new one of the ones that they order. Like, why are you getting a used one? Mm. Uh, and then there's the soundproof booth, which was some kind of thing out of like get smart or some stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's he, yeah. Mags, I'm going to, you know, I, I know that we, it's important that we mark his, his departure ceremonially. So we're going to hand off to you for this, but I would just like to say the check filet job was only one, one job that Scott Pruitt tried to get for his wife who has got to be the least employable person in Washington. Is there any job that this man did not attempt to acquire by grift for his wife? It's insane. But is he doing really, anything else with his time? Isn't that kind of romantic though? Like your wife no. is the least employable person <laughs> on the face of the earth, but you're using every possible, every lever that you can to try to get her a job. If you think that romance is desperation, then sure. Then that's well, exactly what that was. I mean, have you ever seen Scott Pruitt? <laughs> you make some strong points. Yes. I mean, the man just deserves to be eulogized. And I feel that many, many of the items that were brought up just now could very well be on the list. And I don't know if you can hear that, but I'm playing a teeny, teeny, tiny violin as a background music of, of this eulogy. Um, I think, though, the, like, the, the best part, the final cap, the, the flaming canoe of this Viking funeral for this idiot's career has to be his resignation letter um, to the president, in which he says the word service 900 times in a 600-word letter. Um, he also refers to serving President Trump as being a providence of God, which gross and no. Um, but he also never once mentions our planet. Does he mention the earth? No. Does he mention clean air? No. Does he mention trees? Absolutely not. Does he mention God and not being able to take mild probing inquiries from reporters? Yes. So goodbye, Scott Pruitt. We hardly knew ye, yet we knew ye too much. And what we knew, we truly loathed. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's not a good dude. And I find it hilarious that like some in the right-wing media are just jumping on the, oh, the, the, the liberal media is biased, therefore we have to protect Scott Pruitt, Hugh Hewitt being king among this group, where it's just the, the religion of the media is biased against us means we have to protect people who are just so obviously terrible that we can't admit it. I'm going to miss this little turd. He was the most <laughs> unabashed kleptocrat. Yeah. He really was the Warren Harding administration. Like, I mean, this yeah. guy just, and I love that he did it at so many different levels. Like, yes, he was out here committing, he was out here committing frauds great and small. 
Like, you know, yes, getting housing at a shockingly reduced rate that ultimately could have added up to five and indeed six figures. And also just having his staff running around uh, s- stealing lotion, I guess, like from hotels. <laughs> I mean, there, there is just no Scrubbing angle. Scrubbing his schedule. He's like an Elmore Leonard character. And I, for one, really is. missed that. But like all Elmore yeah. Leonard character grifters, they all have to make their exit sooner or later. And this is one of the, this is honestly one of the better outcomes for one of those guys. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, now we have Andrew Wheeler, and it, it, this is sort of like replacing the devil with Satan. Um, Andrew Wheeler is Scott Pruitt on crack without without the scandals. That just sounds horrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of Scott Pruitt's career was literally the dumbest timeline in America, except like the most criminal timeline in America. What's a decision that I could make here? Is it illegal? I'll do that one instead. But also then who he's being replaced by is like uber, uber dumbest timeline in America. Sure. Let's find someone worse. Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of, I mean, it's remarkable when you think about it that like, I'm not so offended that he was a grifter and trying to do things like this. It's just, he was so bad about it. So brazen. Yeah. So energetic. I mean, yeah. where, like, where did this guy, like, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know the extent to which I will ever care about anything in my life as much as this guy cared about, like, you know, securing, securing, securing a small sinecure for his wife at like a, at, you know, at, 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 you know, at like a, at, at some, some conservative think tank. Yeah. You know? I, all you really Just need to, this guy spent forth. more trying to get 500 bucks worth of like free shit from some, like from some entity <laughs> than like I have ever done on anything in my life. And I'm, again, I have to respect that kind of focus. Yeah. Discharging yeah. through moral walls with a Scott Pruitt shape hole in it. Just leaving a trail of destruction the whole way. That's yeah. exactly right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, if he's taken out a line of credit on the EPA headquarters and like the whole thing gets repossessed. Oh, that's totally possible. I hadn't thought of that. That's totally possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, really, what you need to know about Scott Pruitt is there's a video that's been making its rounds on social media of a woman and her child berating him uh, in a restaurant, and the look on his face isn't horror or embarrassment. It's literally, oh, someone's paying attention to me. This is wonderful. That's the look on his face. That's embarrassing. Yeah, he's not a good dude. Um, All right, we did promise to keep this very short uh, this afternoon. Uh, We will be back next week for sure. Uh, Some group of the three of us. Um, (laughs) But in the meantime, please do rate us and subscribe to us uh, on iTunes or whatever podcasting service you listen to. Follow us on Twitter at at @takingship, and that's ship with a P as in photo. Uh, You can follow Maggie at 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 maggie m012 you can follow frank at frank spring you can follow me at ellie jacobs we're not sure why maggie has such a complex twitter handle but maggie more is a common name i won't have it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and please do visit our website takingship.com you can purchase wet uh t-shirts as long as you're a size medium Medium-sized people, please buy T-shirts. We right. fairly employ you. Also, Ellie now thinks that people only come in small and large. This is insane. Medium-sized people, please come and buy these damn things. All the Have you not been to the movie together. theaters recently? There's like small and large. Those are your only options when it comes to soda or popcorn. It's like large and larger are your yeah. only choices that size. Yeah. yeah. God bless America. All right. <laughs> With all of that, <laughs> Frank, where are we headed this week? 
Oh, this week we take ship to Virginia, where last month marine scientists, no doubt heroically studying our aquatic enemies, in this the continuing war on the sea, uh, no doubt no, studying our aquatic enemies that we might better understand and then pulverize them, witnessed an act of shark-on-shark violence. Uh, the scientists had captured a black-tipped shark for study and were reeling it into the ship when a 12 to 13-foot great white shark appeared out of the depths and ate the black-tipped shark. And so my question for you, friends, is why? The most obvious explanation, of course, is that this was a hit, a targeted assassination ordered by the oceanic higher-ups, or lower-downs as they're known down there, the lower-downs, to prevent the black tip from breaking under interrogation because black tip sharks, as we know, are infamous squealers. But, but, it could also have been a sign that this particular great white has turned on its own kind and is prepared to defect to us the forces of land and there's only one way to know for sure. We're headed to the waters of Virginia. Shark, if you can hear us, come up to the boat slowly, keep your teeth where we can see them, and let's talk this thing through. Friends, we take ship for the Old Dominion. Take care, everybody. Have a good weekend. <laughs>